Welcome to another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. Please do find the program on fivereasonsports.com or wherever it is you find your podcast, fivereasonsports.com. Also has plenty of written content there as well, covering news, some opinion pieces as well for the many contributors in the Five Reasons Sports Network, covering all the major sports issues at the moment. Uh, do also want to highlight our previous episodes, talking soccer last week uh, as it relates to the Inter-Miami build at Lockhart Stadium. Had uh, plenty more as well on Josh Rosen and the Dolphins. We'll do more later on this week with Dave Pash of ESPN, who was the radio commentator for the Arizona Cardinals, along with calling the NBA playoffs. So uh, he has some background with Josh Rosen as well and had some interesting public comments when that trade went down. But today we're talking NBA postseason. The conference finals are now set. And I do think, Ethan, that this is this can kind of be both um, a post-mortem on the second round, in particular uh, the game sixes and sevens that decided the series, but also uh, looking forward as well. I think we should do a few minutes each on the teams that have gone out of the postseason. Mm -hmm. And let's go in, uh, in chronological order. So let's start with Boston. So Boston goes out in five games. You thought uh, for a moment that, that, uh, that Boston could, could eventually win that series. You focused after game one, but Milwaukee uh, eventually sweeps them away. And I just find fascinating, one, that they lost both games at home. Mm -hmm. Two, that they got absolutely wiped off the floor in game five. And now, and, and we'll get to this with Philly as well, but the whole build of the thing looks like it's on totally unstable foundation. What is Boston like going forward now? And if Kyrie Irving goes then do they really have anything to show for all the years of building that they've done? Well, that, that's the problem. And, you know, the reason that I picked them is I thought they had the talent to come together kind of like that 06 Heat team did where the pieces don't fit during the regular season, but they do during the postseason. But they just never fit. And I think part of that is because the Heat had someone of the will of Dwayne Wade at the top and Boston, who was all in. And Boston had somebody like Kyrie Irving who had – a foot and a half out the door. And I, so I think it, it became impossible for them to pull it together. And I know Brad Stevens, who I think has proven to be a better coach of average players than of great players or even very good players. Brad Stevens admitted he didn't do a very good job this year. It just never came together. Now, it was not easy. You're trying to bring Kyrie back, and obviously he was a fulcrum, but you're also trying to bring Gordon Hayward back, and he was just not a very good basketball player for most of the season. And then kind of came on and then fell apart again in the postseason. You had three young players, uh, one of which Rozier regressed badly. The other two, Tatum and Brown, did not make a lot of forward progress. Brown was getting yanked in and out of the starting lineup. So the only person you could really count on night to night was Al Horford, but Al Horford's upside is limited. And so I, I just think the whole thing, you know, kind of fell apart and it was just a team that was not engaged. And again, their leader, supposed leader, was not engaged between things he said during the season. Um, you know, there was a lot. There's a very good Tim Bontemps article on ESPN.com about this, but various things he said about the young players and, and they kind of checked out a little bit because they were confused. They didn't know what direction to go. As for your question about where it goes from here, well, look, they stole Kyrie, okay? So you can't blame Danny Ainge for that move because what did he give up? He gave up Isaiah Thomas, who didn't even play in the playoffs for Denver. Yep. Uh, he gave up Jay Crowder, <coughs> who is a better player with Brad Stevens than he is with anywhere else. Um, and, and look, and he gave up a first-round pick that didn't amount to much, right? So it, it's not I, – I'm not going to you know bang on him for bringing in Kyrie, but the problem is you can't – and I speak from experience on this because I, I was around Kyrie a lot for a year in 14, 15, and, and I don't really think he's grown up that much. I think actually he's grown in the wrong ways. He's picked up like LeBron's worst traits instead of his best traits. Mm -hmm. And so he could never be your lead, right? And I think part of what, what Ainge was trying to do was bring in Gordon Hayward so eventually he could kind of be a temporary lead until they got an Anthony Davis. But Gordon Hayward has got hurt, and that's not his fault either. So... I'm not going to pin all of this on Ainge, but this is the problem with hoarding assets and not just going for it when you go for it. And because Anthony Davis, I believe, can be a fulcrum in a way that, that Kyrie Irving cannot, but I don't see Anthony Davis going there because I think if Kyrie is leaving, Tatum and Brown not making progress, David Griffin, look... <laughs> Maybe look, David Griffin and Kyrie had an interesting relationship too. Kyrie's not going to New Orleans, but David Griffin's now in New Orleans. I, he's not going to be swindled the way that maybe you know Del Demps was going to be swindled. We've had David on the podcast. David's pretty sharp, so I I, I think Boston is. Um, I would say they're better off than the Heat. We have to put everything into context here. Sure, but they're not from an asset perspective. 
and a team building perspective in particular where we thought they would be at this stage. And it, it's really hard for me to, to assess Boston right now because I, I really thought – I thought a lot of Kyrie, and we've talked a lot about it here on the podcast, that I think Kyrie is a playoff player. I think you saw really over the weekend just how many players are just completely shrunk in that moment, have nothing to offer in these big moments and games. And in, I think Kyrie rises to that occasion, and yet – there just reaches a certain point where he's a corrosive enough personality that you just can't build around him. And I, I don't know sort of what that next team for him uh, is going to be like. But in terms of – with Boston, seeing the Lakers season fall apart and now seeing the Boston season fall apart, there is a certain – and even Philly, when you're constantly – when everything is viewed through the prism of the next move right. and it, it disrupts the team. If you're Terry Rozier and, you know, you're looking at, you know, Kyrie Irving coming in, you're pretty pissed off about it because you're not going to be that guy. If you're Kyrie, if you're Tatum and Brown, you thought you did pretty well to get to the conference finals and then, you know, Kyrie Irving is bossing you around. You're, wait, you're, you're going around going, wait, who am I mm-hmm. listening to? And then if you're Tatum, you're also thinking, wait, am I the fulcrum of this Anthony Davis trade? And does Boston even really want me? Or do they want Anthony Davis? Uh, and then with the Lakers, when LeBron tries to trade the whole team for Anthony Davis, <laughs> right. uh, then the rest of the team responds in kind. And it's like, well, how did you think that was going to work? Right. And so I do think the, the interpersonal dynamics uh, play a big role with Boston. But let's move on to the next team. So the next team that went out in chronological order was Houston. And what a story that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm not going to be too hard on them. Obviously, we, we talked a lot about them being the best contender in the West to beat Golden State, and I still maintain that they were. I think Portland's probably going to get handled uh, pretty easily. We'll get to that as we preview uh, the series later. But for me, Houston, the story is they're a team that were exceptionally well put together, exceptionally well um, handled in terms of analytically and what, what their approach was going to be to, to, to beat Golden State. They put everything together. It's just hard to beat Golden State four out of seven times. And I do think the one kind of black mark against that is that obviously they lose to that team without uh, Kevin Durant but at home but and, and not being able to get over the top. But if you're kind of a, a defining team of a generation, as Golden State are, uh, they're going to be a lot of victims along the way. And Houston has just been a victim of, I think maybe in other eras, they are a champion. And, and they are a team that is that high of quality. You're just running up against one of the greatest teams of all time. I'm not going to ding Houston to the degree that other are just because of that fact it is such high level competition to beat that team four out of seven times and I don't think it's that much of an indictment of a team if you can't do that yeah I agree and like you said I mean their his NBA history is littered with almost champions you know whether it's the Reggie Miller Pacers or the Patrick Ewing Knicks uh, mostly done in for the most part by Michael Jordan's Bulls mm-hmm. or Carmelo Malone and oh, John you Stockton. Argue, you can argue the late '90s Heat or that too, the, just the, by virtue of you know there were one seeds at times in the Eastern Conference. Right. The only difference with them is that they there was an intermediary team that got sure. to them before the Bulls, except for one season. Uh, the others, a, a team that was lower seeded than them, the Knicks beat them three times. But but then you also you look at look the, the Lakers, uh, the Shaq Lakers. There's a there's a bunch of teams in there because you look at that great Blazers team with loaded with talent that couldn't get past them. Okay, you look at uh, and it, that kind of happened to the Blazers team previous too, the Drexler Porter teams, a couple of Blazers teams, the Sacramento team is a great example of that. Uh, yep. 2002 in particular, where Tim Donahue kind of screwed them and Robert Ory shot, but that's a team that probably. I mean, you talk about a well-constructed team. That was a very they had a quality point guard, pushed the pace in Jason Williams, Stojakovic, a great shooter. Weber was a legitimate star. Divac was a very versatile center. They had a Mike, lo- Mike Bibby, Doug Christie. Uh, they had a lot of really good pieces. Indiana, done in by the big three heat, the LeBron heat. Okay, that probably could have been a championship team. Mm-hmm. Okay, there was enough there with Paul George rising, with Granger still playing at a high level. Uh, Lance Hell, even, even, even the 2011 Chicago team that lost to the, the heat. The 2011 the Chicago team with Derrick Rose. I mean, this is there are so many almost teams. And the other one I don't want to forget, the, the Phoenix Suns, the, the D'Antoni, Nash, Marion, Stoudemire, which if they don't leave the bench, um, you know, they probably get a title that year because if they beat San Antonio – I think they probably win in the finals. Um, so history is littered with those teams that don't end up you know, winning a championship, that they get close, but they don't make it. So, look, I, I, what I think is you, know, you take a look at, at where Houston is. The problem that they have is they've committed so much money to three pieces, right, just three pieces, Capella, Harden, and Paul. And P.J. Tucker is a very valuable piece for them. But they, they hemorrhaged some guys this offseason. I think you saw a little bit of it. I thought they missed 
Bamute. I thought they missed, uh, you know, some of the others. And so, you know, basically that's the situation that they're at right now. We'll get back to today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is Doral Toyota. Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. I've been there before. It is a fantastic location. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons, when you call 305-680-1129 or come in the dealership, you will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. Yeah, and, and I understand the point that you're making about Houston's foundation because two of those three guys, I think Chris Paul, you saw an obvious drop-off start to happen in the series just in terms of raw numbers. I mean, he still has the, the old man, veteran guile that, that he's always been known for. And then Capella. Capella's a surprising one because he was the player that, I mean, when we're talking about Bam out of Bio's future, you're going, well, if he's Capella and he's able to defend like that, he's able to finish like that, and do the things that Chris Capella, uh, that Clint Capella does in a, in, in a vacuum, that it would work well. But um, it, it just it, it didn't in the series. And and for Capella to have dropped off too after giving him that contract, you're right. I mean that that foundation uh, doesn't look great. Um, in in terms of the Harden thing, he'll probably still have a decent case at the MVP. Maybe Giannis will get it. But um, do do the does a consistent playoff shortcomings do anything for Harden for you because I, I know I know generally most NBA purists and, and fans aren't really a fan of his game or watching him aesthetically um, but do these failures mean anything to you in terms of Harden uh, you know it's tough um, on this because they are so dependent on him and they're so dependent on him for an entire season he's not a guy who takes a lot of time off and you know I'm not a huge James Harden fan from a style standpoint uh, or even a personality standpoint but I, it's, it's tough, you know, when, when someone is that much the focal point and then you're expecting him to carry you game after game after game against teams that can scheme for you, it's, it's hard for me to bang on him too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, I think there's a legitimate chance that he will be the best player of his generation to not win a championship. And uh, I was trying to make a list of some of these guys. Russ Westbrook is certainly one of them. Sure. And when I say win a championship, I'm not saying Gary Payton at the end of his career joining the Heat. I'm saying as a focal point, as one of the true sure. best players on a team. And if you look at the best players in the NBA right now, Kawhi is one. Giannis, it's too early to judge. Sure. Curry is one. Durant is one. LeBron obviously has one. Uh, to me, it's Harden and Anthony Davis. Those are the two. Yeah. And if and, Anthony and Davis doesn't get somewhere else, right. and, and then I would throw Westbrook in there. I would. And, you know, Russ has been to the finals as a player at that time who was better than James Harden. But you just there's just not a whole lot – of those guys. That Paul you George think of. can be in there. I, I think Paul George, he's kind of on the fringe of it. I'm trying to think who else was in those debates this season. Um, you know, it, what's interesting is there are certain guys that elevate during postseasons into superstar status, and then they start to get beat on because they haven't won a title. So, like, here's a good example. Like, you never would have thought of Dame Lillard as somebody who you'd be like, when is he going to win something significant? But once he gets to the conference finals, and if he doesn't show out on this stage, then it's going to be, okay, when is Dame Lillard going to get to came, the finals? I mean, came dangerously close in that Game 7. We'll get to that. Yep. Uh, ne- let's just go and get into it now. Um, in the Game 7 where he was dreadful. Yeah, he I was mean, bad. And, and C.J. McCollum bails him out. Yep. Um, now, a dreadful in the sense of not making shots, right? I mean, you, if if you're getting to the right spaces and you're not taking bad shots, then that's one thing you know, versus not making them. Um, but C.J. McCollum bails him out, and I think you saw in Denver – um, just of what they're short of. They're short of that one perimeter piece uh, that they can put with Jokic and Murray and that great core guys that they have. They have uh, Millsap on a team option for $30 million for next season. I, I think maybe, he's, lo- he's lost a lot. Right, I, he's right. He's not the player he was. And so, I mean, maybe he can get like a two-year for $30 million, but not quite. I mean, $30 million mm-hmm. is a lot to pay a player like Millsap. Um, they need another perimeter scoring option because mm-hmm. when Murray Murray is getting there, I don't know if he's ever even going to be, you know, at Lillard's level, um, but he's getting there. But at the same time, 
I think Denver is just that star short. And, I mean, they try to make a play at Dwayne. Like, Dwayne Wade would have helped them a lot in a series mm-hmm. like that. And just in general, being being sort of up for those moments. Uh, but I think that game was the ultimate in guys who are occasionally not up for it. But down the stretch, down you know, down the stretch of a Game 7, both Portland and Denver were making a lot of tough shots. Yep. Jokic was still doing what he does. And, uh, and, and Denver came very close. I'm really interested to see what their next move is, though. Because they've got a lot of young players. They have a decent core. But what do they do to elevate to that next level when they're not really a free agent destination? It's true. And, look, they've tried. Um, you know, I mean, there's always been rumors about them trying to get in for LeBron. You mentioned Dwayne. Uh, I do think, like, if I'm Anthony Davis, right, why would I want to go play for the Lakers other than other than the marquee of it? Like, if you want to win, if that's what it's about. Right. Which it's not. Which it's not. Right. Well, it, it is a little bit. I mean, look, I don't know how he'd fit next to Jokic anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like, if you're talking about a player like that, like, Denver, to me, is the new OKC. Yeah. Uh, OKC had become this place where not a lot of guys were going to it, but, the, but Paul George decided to stay in part because trusted the organization, trusted Sam Pressy. Denver, in my view, I've been to both places many times, is a better city than Oklahoma City. Um, it hasn't been historically friendly to black athletes. Uh, that is an issue. Uh, but it's not like Boston has been to black mm-hmm. athletes. Or even like what, what Salt Lake City had this year. Or Salt Lake City. Or, to be honest, uh, OKC can be difficult when you're not playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been on the streets there with, with African-American friends, and they've been yelled at things. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm, well, it's a certain type of state. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, but look, I, I, I just, when I look at Denver's situation, and I know Paul Pierce picked him for the finals last year, which next next year, which is the kiss of death. But they have, I mean, Jokic is young, yeah. getting better. Uh, you mentioned Murray's getting better. Gary Harris is a very nice piece. Uh, I thought Malik Beasley played really well this year. I mean, they have pieces. They've done, Connolly has done a fantastic job there. Yeah. There should be trust in the organization. Now, the questions that Denver's going to have going forward are, you know, is Jamal Murray going to be worth the max? Like they're they're going to have to make decisions on certain guys they've drafted. The one overall point I want to make, and I'm going to include Denver in it. I know we're talking about the teams that have been bounced. I know we want to get to Philly, but the overall point I would make about the teams that are still alive, and I wrote this in a piece for FiveReasonsSports.com, is that all four teams plus Denver built from the middle. Yeah, and you talk about and and people are going to say, well, no, no, no. No, Durant, right? Look, Durant. Durant was, a, you know, Golden State got Durant. And Golden State's a behemoth. I get it. But I'm going to give you a stat that I put here on my social media, on Twitter, on Ethan J. Skolnick and Five Reasons Sports last night. Okay? And it surprised me how many of these guys were, were lower-level guys. Okay? Yeah. Here's the draft spots of the best players left in the NBA playoffs. Durant was the second overall pick. There's not a single other top five pick. Mm-hmm. Curry at seven. Dame Lillard at six. I don't, I don't, I don't remember him going that high, but okay. Six. De- Steph Curry at seven. Mm-hmm. Iguodala at nine. CJ McCollum at ten. Clay Thompson at eleven. The two best players in the playoffs, probably. Maybe throw Curry and Durant, Durant if he's healthy in there. But Giannis and Kawhi, fifteen. Yeah. Bledsoe eighteen. Lowry and Ibaka twenty-four. Siakam twenty-seven. Draymond thirty-five. Chris Middleton thirty-nine, and was dumped immediately. Marc Gasol forty-eight. Wow. Okay. So. Those teams, like, you can talk about Golden State and Durant, but at the very beginning, they built from the middle. They built with Curry. Curry they built with Clay. They built I mean, with they, Harrison Barnes, they, who they, was nine. They, they tanked to get Kirk, you know, better positions on Curry, like within a season. Not like full-scale tanks, but They did a modest, a, a modest yeah. tank, but they did not. Right. Once they knew they were going to get a certain point, there was a pick they had to keep. Sure. And so they got down to seven. They got lucky that other teams, you know, that Minnesota, David Kahn, decided to take Took what? Two point, two guards, point guards before Steph Curry. None of whom were Steph Curry, yeah. Right. Okay, so... They got fortunate there, but you have to take the player ultimately. I never, but Draymond, there's even, you know, even a guy who was useful for them early on, Festus Azili was a second round pick, and that they, they built through the middle, through, through mid picks uh, or lower lottery picks and second round picks. Um, Portland's two best, six and 10 high picks, but not top five picks. Uh, Toronto, uh, you know, I mentioned Toronto. The whole thing started, I didn't even include this, but the whole thing started with DeRozan. That was the lead back. DeRozan was not a top... I think a late lottery pick. Right, late lottery pick, not a top five pick. That became Kawhi. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned Lowry, who was kind of a low-budget addition, had been sort of passed around a little bit. So that's that's Toronto. And Milwaukee, Giannis, Middleton picked up from somewhere else. Brooke Lopez, who I forgot to include on this, was the 10th overall pick, but had bounced around. Obviously, he was a fulcrum with the Nets. But look, the Lakers, he was cap fodder. They were just trying to get rid of him. This uh, my overall point on this. I know we want to get into Philly, but my overall point on this 
because Philly's the opposite. <laughs> okay, yeah. the opposite. Yeah. But but my overall point is when we talk, we have you know we have uh, you know a draft lottery party for the Heat on Tuesday night. They're probably going to pick thirteenth. They've found good players at 10, 14, and 40. Their core is Winslow, Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson. Now, are they as good as some of the players on this list? No. Are they as good as a couple of them? Yes, I believe. Okay, like, sure. uh, And so it can be done. If you're, if you're the Heat making a case for the way they're trying to do this, it can be done. You just have to draft extremely well, and you have to find a guy like a Middleton that's dumped by somebody else. Is Derek Jones Jr. a Middleton? Probably not. But with the growth that we saw that first year, maybe. Uh, they seem to think so. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I, I think we want to put some of this in the context of the Heat and the idea that you don't have to break the thing down to the very bottom to build it back up. Um, I, and I understand that, right? Um, I do think at the same time uh, we talk all the time about the players that matter in determining the championship. Um, as you know, LeBron, a former number one overall pick, Steph Curry, um, Harden, who is I think did he go third? James Harden? Uh, uh, yes. And yeah. I was surprised. Um, that he went that high. Yeah. D- Durant went two. Um, Anthony Davis went one. Uh, Giannis, you mentioned going fifteen. Kawhi is definitely in that conversation. He went fifteen. Um, so I mean, th- those are the guys that really matter in determining the champion. And you know, I I do like I get what you're saying about Denver, mm-hmm. which is you know they found Jokic in the second round, which is incredible. I mean. But they're still kind of anomalies, aren't? Like even 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 as even as you know more of them in, in, at the moment, I still think that in general you're finding the top flight guys that matter at the top of the draft. Um, and for the most part, you know Steph Curry going from scrawny point guard who you know was did well at Davidson, but do we know that he was an NBA player? And then he becomes one. Obviously, there are great player development triumphs, and I think that element of basketball has really grown so that things like this can happen. And I think that he'd have a tremendous um, player development apparatus. But at the same time, you know we talk about ceilings. And and I, I just think that the ceilings of the Heat players, and for the most part, when you're dealing with, like, for example, you know, Jamal Murray, I don't know if his ceiling is championship, right? Like, And I think right now the way that Denver's constructed is top two players on a championship team, and I just don't know if he's there. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law, L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855 855- 5,000 Law. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. So that's Portland covered. So let's close with uh, the thing we've been alluding to and really is uh, right now uh, the the Heat's mediocrity uh, over the course of the NBA season was kind of the biggest uh, dividing rod uh, of conversation in our network, in our group chat. And uh, now it's the process. <laughs> uh, our, our guys are uh, divided. Obviously, particularly the Heat beat guys that, that have railed against it for a while uh, are against it. But Philly has gone out uh, second straight year in the second round, uh, this time on uh, just as unfortunate of a way uh, for a game to end as possible but at the same time um, I think they're going to fire their coach uh, because Philly in the final four minutes yesterday was an atrocity Um, Joel Embiid is trying to play 45 minutes when we just know Joel Embiid can't do that. Um, they, they couldn't really figure it out a way uh, to get him any minutes, either with a reserve center or with a you know a small at center lineup that that worked. Um, ben Simmons has not grown uh, particularly in the postseason in these two seasons, and he's kind of the other anchor piece, or at least he's supposed to be. Um, your other the other parts of your starting five uh, are are now free agents. JJ Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris are all free agents after you invested significant capital, and that's the thing that I, I don't think gets talked about enough when it comes to Philadelphia. First off, it's two general managers down the road. We're not in the process anymore. Right. They cashed in the process so they can go forward with this team. Um, and, I, and and so I, I do think that having this be about Sam Hinkie is just completely absurd to me. But if you think about what they've done for this team, right? So J.J. Redick, they invest all their cap space in bringing him in. 
Jimmy Butler. They get rid of uh, Dario Saric, um, and who was you know a, a, a lottery pick for them, uh, and Robert Covington, who was the only player that they developed uh, from the three years of um, of of you know being bad. Right? They had all these terrible players, and you know maybe you know a team like the Heat could have done better to develop guys, but all they really had for you know to show for it was Robert Covington uh, and T.J. McConnell was on the bench, but you know they couldn't even play him in the series. So so you cash in those two, and then you cash in another amazing asset that you requ- that you acquired, which is the Heat's 2021 first round pick unprotected and you catch that in for Tobias Harris so if you think about all the all the assets that they've cashed in it was for this team and now this team is out in the second round out after game seven I mean it's a bit hard to really criticize the whole setup because they didn't really have a great deal of time to figure it out but Mm -hmm. they've cashed it all in they don't have a great deal to show for it the hell do they go now well yeah I mean that's a tough thing because if they're gonna pay for this team going forward it's gonna be exorbitant and so I don't know exactly how they decide they're going to bring both Butler and Tobias Harris back. And I don't know that Jimmy Butler's going to want to come back. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, he, he very clearly wanted to be in Miami. Now I, I don't know that that's an option at this stage. Uh, it's a worse option than it would have been if you were unloading some salary during the season. I mean, I don't know how you do it now. I, I, and, and then, you know, there's the question we've talked about you know, many times with Jimmy Butler, which is, is that even a player? And I, look, I love a lot of things he did in the postseason. I mean, he was their alpha for a lot of games. Yep. But And he would be the alpha for the Heat. But is that an alpha you want to tie yourself to when he's 33, 34 years old, making $45 million? I don't know. So that's to me, that's the tough thing is that, you know, for Philadelphia is it's pretty clear that the four pieces don't fit great. They need look. Joel Embiid needs to be in the post more often uh, than he is. Simmons can't shoot, so he can't space. Jimmy Butler is not a plus three point shooter, so he can't space. Tobias Harris can space, but he tends to fade to the background a little bit unless he's on a team like the Clippers, where they needed him to be a primary scorer. So, what do you do with that? Could they do a sign and trade? Could they try to get pieces that fit a little bit better? Do they bring back J.J. Redick? Because if they bring back J.J. Redick, who I think is essential to a lot of what they do, because he does provide that spacing, they can't build out their bench. I also think, and it was clear, I, I tweeted it last night. Look, Brett Brown probably is going to get fired anyway, but he got fired in the last two minutes last night. Yeah, and, that was appalling. It was appalling. But it was, I, it was basically three shot clock violations in a row. But I, I, but I don't know what he can do. I mean, look, Brett Brown was there for the process, right? But it is different. It is. He's a teacher. He comes from the Spurs system. It is different coaching elite players or players with egos than it is coaching what Philadelphia was thrown out there the first two years and getting the excuse of, well, he's a really good teacher. Maybe he's going to develop. A, like you look at a Robert Covington, right? They developed like the Heat have developed players. They developed Robert Covington into an asset that they were able to trade to get Jimmy Butler, even on a pretty decent contract. A player that Minnesota still wanted partially because he's a perfect Tibbs player because he's the kind of player who can run in the ground. But like, like, like Brett Brown could do that, okay, coming out of the San Antonio system. But what we have not seen him do is be able to get big egos to work on the same page. And it's what we talk about with, with Eric Spolster all the time during the Big Three era. Like, what's harder, what Eric's tried to do lately or what Eric tried to do during the Big Three era? I would argue, most people would not, I would argue the Big Three era was harder. People would say you had LeBron. Yeah, but you had LeBron, you had Dwayne, you had Bosh, and you had to split the shots. I know a lot of people don't agree with that. They no, say. but but it's also organizational backing, right? right. And, and, they're, and, you know, Philly, I think their ownership has done a terrible job, really, right. uh, you, know, be, you know, caving to the pressure of what their initial plan was. But this year... Not really backing Brett Brown in the press, or it's like we'll decide after the year. You know, there's some reporting about if it's not the finals, then he's out. Um, I do think Eric Spolstra, without the backing of Pat Riley, who could have very easily asserted his ego and asserted, you know, his pedigree and said, okay, I'll coach the team. Like, he could have undermined mm-hmm. Eric Spolster a million different ways that would not have allowed him to make the decisions that he had to make. It takes organizations to make those, those kinds of tough decisions. And you also have to say, Elton Brand, as much as, okay, you don't fault him for going for Tobias Harris, put him in a pretty terrible spot trading for one guy in November, another guy in February. It's just, it's not, it, you can't build a team in two months right. when you know that some of those guys are going to get injured. They had like 10 regular season games together. It was an impossible coaching job at the same time. Figure out a system that gets you a shot right. within 30 feet uh, you know, of, of the rim in, in a key moment, even as, uh, even as Toronto was defending incredibly. And, and give credit to them. Their defense in the final three minutes was insane. But... Yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot there. And, again, another tumultuous offseason. Denver's got kind of got the easiest one. They have the most difficult jump to make, which is going from really good to championship. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, it's the hardest thing to do in basketball. Yeah. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And maybe that jump gets made for them by Kevin Durant going to another team. Because if Kevin Durant goes to another team, they continue to get better. Maybe the level that they're at is good enough, uh, but right now it's not. Um, at, at the same time with Philly, I just don't know what their offseason is uh, that gets this done. Who do you think of these four teams is best position to go forward? Now? I mean, it's tough. I would say Denver uh, because I think from a cap perspective, they're best positioned and, and their best players are young and don't seem to have big egos. And I, I think that makes it a little bit easier to build. Uh, but they feel a little Indiana-ish to me. They feel a little like there's going to be a cap on this mm-hmm. unless Jokic becomes a top-five player in the league. And the problem with, with him— He's not far away now. He's not far on one end. And, and, but, but defense, uh, it, it, I think he's kind of big James Harden in that respect right. where it's good enough, right? I mean, he, he, he knows what to do. I mean, he's never going to be quick. <laughs> he's never going to be able to switch out on Dame right. Lillard, but— I mean, Denver got on with him in this series without him being really destroyed. Right. Uh, so I, I think he, he's not far away. The, the question is, what is that second player for me? I mean, it, I don't think it's Jamal Murray. As much as I think he's grown and, right. and, and, you know, as a success story for development and drafting through the middle, which is what we talked about earlier, um, he's as good as it gets on, on that respect. But does he have the ceiling to where, you know, he's handling the ball in the biggest possession of the game in a Game 7? We saw that in the Game mm. 7. He wasn't good. And it was, that was at home, right? I mean... Right. They had every situation that you'd want to win that series. They created this bracket for themselves, um, and uh, and and Jamal Murray couldn't deliver. So right. I, I, that that for me is is difficulty. Is it's not a free agent city. Maybe they have to make a trade. But mm. I mean, we just talked. We, we've talked a lot in this podcast about the perils of trades. But um, but yeah, I I think that Denver is in a, is an is in an okay spot. But making that next jump is hard. Houston is hard because mm-hmm. of the superstar thing and the fact that you know three of their they're, they're basically committed from a from a cap standpoint to two guys who might not be worth it and Paul especially mm-hmm. uh, as as he gets that much older um, and then uh, so the other two are Philly and Boston as much as, as much as we talked about it being up in the air with Boston at least they have the young players at least they have the ability to even if Kyrie goes they can make a trade but 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 are there young players so if I was just to say and, and let's take out some of the personality stuff here but let's just say you have Tatum. Smart Brown mm-hmm. Rozier. Yep. You've got Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. <laughs> I'd still rather have Simmons and Embiid. Like, even, if you're going to bring Tobias Harris back as your third, like, I, I still. I mean, I, what is what is? I mean, what is Jason Tatum's upside? Is mm-hmm. he is he a top fifteen? I don't think Jalen Brown's a top fifteen player. I potentially. Agree. Is is Jason Tatum maybe on the fringe? Can Jason Tatum be Paul George? It can, I think it could be. I I, I do because I mean, that would be the he's, comp. He's twenty one right? years old, um, right? He, you know, in his first season in the league was a key play, was a key cog in that team, mm. and we also understand that it's not a static situation. They have three first round picks this year. Um, they, they're they're probably going to try and do something with that. They're probably going to go and try and get Anthony Davis. And if you have Anthony Davis and you can and you can hang on uh, to Jason Tatum, I think that's. I think they have enough going forward. Their salary, their cap sheet isn't a catastrophe, other than Hayward. I mean, Hayward, they've got what I think two more years left mm-hmm. of that, um, and then 
I think uh, Horford, there were some concerns about that Horford contract being too big uh, when they signed it. It hasn't he's been. Fine. He, he's been he's perfectly fine. good for it. Um, so he, he's I, been he's been fine in the way Bosch would have been fine for the Heat. Correct, correct. Um, so I, I, I do think that Boston, being able to recover from Kyrie, I, I do think that Kyrie was very corrosive on the development of Tatum mm-hmm. and of Brown. I think Kobe Bryant was development was corrosive on the development of Tatum mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on some of the awful habits that he had throughout this year. But right. at the same time, like the interpersonal dynamics on this stuff matter. Like as much as right. it, it can sometimes feel like gobbledygook, it, it, at the same time, I mean, Jason Tatum never really feeling confident that he was going to get the ball from his point guard. It's a difficult way to play basketball. Like it's just it's hard when you think that Kyrie Irving's just going to hog the show and go iso ball. Um I, I just don't know if the team dynamics were there for that to succeed. So I, I would still say Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the Philly thing, there's a lot up in the air. Um, I don't particularly trust their management. I don't know what their coach is going to be. Embiid is a great player. Mm-hmm. He's one of these players that, that matter that, that we're talking about, but probably isn't going to ever really going to be an 82-game guy. He's. It's going to be hard to imagine him playing. If they have to play four best of sevens, is he surviving the 28 games? That, that and playing the heavy minutes, so they're going to need to develop a bench. But it's for me the overarching storyline as we now kind of enter the the, the 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 finals preview portion of this is you just see a real erosion. And maybe this has always been the case, and I don't know why I just feel it more now. Of guys that you trust to get shots, to make shots, to make plays in important moments in games. Oddly, Denver-Portland, uh, and I guess maybe the level that that series has played at maybe isn't as high as the others, but, I mean, look at Toronto. Toronto had nothing. Toronto mm-hmm. had nothing other than Ka- Kawhi had to do all of that and, you know, took 35 shots in the game and maybe would have had to take more had they gone to overtime. They had nothing. Houston, um, they they were, they were doing okay at seven, but, I mean, Philly had nothing to come off the bench with, mm-hmm. nothing to solve the Embiid problem. Um, they're at, at Golden State, they figured it out with Looney, um, but... Golden State, after Durant left, is like, who the hell's going to play? Right. And and I think you are seeing, and, and this is a credit to the NBA, for achieving what they set out to do. When they locked out the players uh, in 2011, the goal was, we don't want to see another heat happen. And I think you're starting to see that if you have the superstar talent, you can't have 6, 7, and 8. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do think now that the, the distribution of talent is how they want it. And there's just nobody for some of these teams to bring off the bench that you can really trust. And I think you're seeing in these playoff series where guys now have to play 45 minutes to win series. And I just don't know if Embiid is that guy for Philly. Maybe not. I, I just, again, I just look at upside, though. And, I, you know, maybe Kyrie off the roster, replaced by somebody else, will help Tatum and Brown kind of get back to where they were. I, I, I don't, I just don't know that Jalen Brown, I feel like I, when I watch Jalen Brown, I, he's, I think he's better than Josh Richardson, but, but there's a lot of Josh Richardson there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where I, I just don't think he, he's a guy who intellectualizes a lot of things. He's, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't feel like there's an alpha. Do they there. have a one, right? Do they have an alpha? Is Tatum that guy? No, is, I, is, not, is not Hayward, yet. Is Hayward that guy? Well, maybe when he comes back. I mean, that could be the thing that changes things for them if he comes back and has a good offseason and gets Kyrie out of there. But, you know, ultimately, I mean, what he's are you... working on fitness rather than recovery. Right. It's a different deal. But I'm going to go Philly one mm-hmm. just because of the elite talent. I will go Denver two and maybe Boston three. Did you put Houston last on that list? I, I just I don't like their cap situation. And I think we've seen the last season that Chris Paul is yeah. reasonably healthy. And I, I just I don't I mean, you look at how much they relied on P.J. Tucker to be their fourth guy this year. With just nothing. I mean, look at some of the guys they were playing. Still playing Gerald Green. You know, some of the guys. Takes the biggest shot of the season. (laughs) Right. I mean, mean, some of the guys they had coming off the bench. Like, I just, I don't see it. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while? Call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also, make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd, I, they'd had this. When I was going to college, this would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car, fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now moves it all. We plan to break our streak and in a huge, huge way. If you're not familiar with Five Reasons Sports Watch Parties, we are zero. We're awful. 
So we're having a, a watch party for the NBA lottery. The Heat have the 13th best odds uh, to move into the top four and the 13th best odds to get the number one overall pick. The only failure is if the team in 14th, which I believe is Sacramento, um, ends up you know, jumping Miami and Miami moves down from 13 to 14, which really incrementally isn't that big. So this is kind of only good things can happen watch party. If we move down to 14, we will definitely be blamed for that. Whereas if we succeed, mm-hmm. we succeed in the most spectacular fashion, a 4.8% chance to finish in the top four. If we pull that off, our fortunes will change. So here's where we're doing it. It's going to be in Dade County. Tap 42, familiar with Tap 42, great beer. We're going to have some free appetizers there. The shop's at Midtown, 3252 Northeast 1st Avenue. All right, so come watch Zion to the Heat. This is happening. You're calling it. Zion (laughs) to the Heat. And then Pat Riley's going to be a genius all over again. See you Tuesday night, the 14th, Tap 42, Midtown Miami. Let's pivot to the, uh, the two conference finals now. And to me, the West is a very simple equation here. Mm-hmm. If if you don't have Durant, which it doesn't, which appear according, according have, to Ram, according to Ramona Shelburne, it's a no for game one and unlikely for game two, which probably means it's a little bit deeper than that. Uh, then, if you don't have Durant, then uh, to me, this this is the series is tilted back closer to even. And I, I think so. I, I think with Golden State, I just well, look. I mean, let's just look at what Golden State is playing yeah. right now. And you talk about teams that don't have anything on their bench. If Lillard and McCollum outplay Curry and Thompson, which is very possible because Clay is extremely inconsistent. Sure. I mean, if you if you were to say to me right now, I, you know, Lillard's been inconsistent. Okay. Curry's been inconsistent. Curry's been inconsistent. Which is, uh, we, we should get to the argument we had on Friday night as, as he's going <laughs> supernova in that series. Um, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. I I just don't. I, I trust C.J. McCollum more than Clay Thompson right now. I'll say, and, and they, that may be recency bias, but Clay Thompson has gone through some patches this for sure, year for sure that have been bad. And you know he, he'll blow up. You know he had a really good last game, but he'll blow up in one game. But like some of his other games are not great. But let's let's look at the front court. I mean, okay, so you have Draymond, but you're not relying on Draymond as a primary scorer. You have Iguodala, who's played at a high level, but this is a weird series for Iguodala. Will they put? Will they put Iguodala on Kerr, on uh, Lillard and McCollum at times? Probably. But you're asking Andre to do a lot. I mean, at this stage of his career, how many games he's played, the burden that they've put on him, which they were not supposed to put on him. But go to the rest of the rosters. Portland has more sort of serviceable role players uh, to me, than Golden where, State has. Where I disagree with you there is they've been able to get away with playing Canner and Collins mm-hmm. and Myers Leonard mm-hmm. and guys that I just, in this what? series, I mean, when Looney is on the floor... You can probably play those guys, but they're still being put in pick and rolls. And I think you saw at the end of that Houston game in particular, they Golden State got back to that bread and butter of what they've been doing for four years, which is Steph Draymond pick and roll. If you trap Steph, then he's going to pass the ball to Draymond, and Draymond knows what to do 4v3 against an opponent. And they just killed them. They, they absolutely killed Houston down the stretch of that game with, the, I mean, the iconic play of their last, you know, four or five years of basketball. And I just don't know what Portland's response is to that. Because it, 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 you can't be switching Canner on to Curry. You can't be switching Myers Leonard on to Curry. I just think from a defensive standpoint, um, Golden State, if Curry delivers in this series, um, which, you know, it, we, we had a funny argument. So I, I, I finally had had enough. I, I've been. <laughs> I love Steph Curry. In 2014-15, when they were on the way to winning that championship, I was an early adopter. They play my kind of style of basketball. I mean, when I was really falling in love with basketball, I loved the seven seconds or less Suns. I mean, arguably more than the Heat, and I, and I was a Heat fan at the time. Like, I mean, it was like the seven seconds or less was happening as they were winning 15 games. But, um, but I just, I, I love Phoenix. I love. There was one game where like Goran Dragic killed it off the bench uh, against San Antonio. In, 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 yeah, in a bench game where like, they kept their 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 bench squad out there. It was like Lou Amundsen and Barbosa and, and Dragic. Um, but I, I, lo- I love that style of play. So I love Curry. And I, I was legitimately trying to argue in 2016 when he's winning unanimous MVP. And people are still saying that, well, oh, well, clearly LeBron's better. I mean, we're giving Curry this MVP, but still LeBron is mm-hmm. better. I was trying to make the argument. Curry can still be the best player in the world, despite not having the physical gifts that LeBron does. The physicality, I, I just don't think it's that important. And yet, you just see time and again, there are times where Steph Curry fails because 
some some players, LeBron, Durant, use their physicality, use their size to impose on the game. I just don't think Steph Curry can do that in a playoff game, and he can be taken out of a playoff game. I still think he, he has positive impacts, but night in, night out, delivering in a postseason series, Steph Curry can be inconsistent. And I'm making this argument in our DM chat, and, and Giancarlo <laughs> Navas thinks that, you know, that I was running with the narrative of, of you know him not being a playoff player and all that. I think he's had far too many bad playoff games for, for a guy who's supposed to be as good as he is. Far too many bad playoff games, including at times in that game six where they won, he had zero points in the right. first half. Zero points for, for a player who's supposed to be leading them uh, you know, a, 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 with Kevin Durant out. And so if Steph Curry is the guy he was in that second half, then you know Golden State will win this series comfortably. But I, I just think overall architecturally in this series, Golden State has a bit too much. But you, th- you think it's even. I, I, I think if Durant doesn't play, I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's even. I, it's it's the home court, but the home court, even for Golden right. State, has not been what it used to yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, and, they, and, they, and the, lost, and the, they and lost home games. And the Portland the Portland home um, home court can be a very difficult place to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's a building so, I've been too many times. So in uh, in the, the, the price for the series mm-hmm. um, is Golden State minus 500, Portland plus 370. Well, I'm not going to get into much of this because, as you said, I was <laughs> plus 240 with Boston. I also had a parlay yesterday that I missed by the Kawhi shot because yeah I, I had a parlay of Philly to win the series I I, I had I had Philly uh, I had Philly and, it, it wasn't and a parlay pe- it was just a straight bet it was I, like I, plus 200 I had Philly in Portland yesterday um, and I should have just bet the Portland thing independently which I was going to do and I didn't but uh, I always lose so I, I'm not gonna <laughs> so but but if you just look I mean let's look at uh, okay let's look at three through eight in this series. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to look at three through eight and take Durant out, let's just say that the Portland backcourt can play the, the backcourt even from Golden State, which I think is doable. I, I, I There's no reason they can't. Like, C.J. McCollum is more consistent than Clay Thompson. He's a different kind of player, but I think he can play him even or even better. And if that's the case and Curry goes through some dry spells and Lillard is Lillard more so than he was in this past series where I thought actually Murray played him pretty even. Then go through three through eight. Okay, so who's three on Portland right now? I, I mean, they don't have Nurkic. Yeah, so who, yeah, yeah, they don't have Nurkic. Um, is it Mo, Ron, Mo, Mo Harkless has been okay. Mo Harkless has been okay. I mean, uh, is it Rodney Hood at yeah, times? I mean, yeah, I mean, th- there were times in that game seven was like they need they need Rodney Hood, right? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you saw it in that game when Lillard wasn't playing well. Um, they, they didn't have a lot to offer, you know, going down the stretch in that fourth quarter. I mean, in the game, uh, Evan Turner actually ended up being an important player yeah, which for them. Is a weird deal. After, after making three shots in the entire series, mm-hmm. um, he was he was big in the game seven. Uh, and then Canner. Canner's really been their second guy. But like or, you said, he, the question he's been is, can, third. can he be schemed off the floor? So Because, uh, I mean, you, you look at their first two series. So, I mean, against Denver, they're playing Jokic. They're playing Plumlee. They're playing guys that it's okay. And then against OKC, Stephen Adams and – and and they they always have that kind of big on the floor uh, on the floor. If Golden State, I mean, maybe with Looney, he, he can be okay, and you can put him on Looney, and that would be fine. But again, defensively, it's hard. It's it's but hard Looney, for Looney. Looney is probably going to play more now because you don't have Durant, right? Yeah. So so I I do think I mean you can't go to the Hampton Five lineup when Hampton's Five lineup. When I mean you if, don't you start, if you start if you start Livingston, then you could. Right, but Sean's not the same player he used to be either. But but do you almost do it? Have Canner play on Livingston? And then, and, and then and then try and and figure out you know the 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 best ways to I, to make that uncomfortable. I, I mean the reality is the five through ten in the series is just not very good. Yeah. Uh, so on either side, which now, is which is by league design, the league is right. now designing for this to happen. Right. You can you can either have great players or you can have role players, but you can't have both. Actually, uh, Evan Turner, other than Kevin Durant, would be the highest drafted player left. Right. He was picked second. Yeah, right? he was. Mm-hmm. He'd be the highest drafted player left. Yeah. I mean, he's at this and, point. And right? also, I mean. Again, if you're going to have role players, you have to hit on those kinds of contracts, and Portland decidedly did not No, uh, with Evan Turner. I mean, that is a catastrophe. Well, the, and they're they, trying to build a bench. The Allen Crabb contract that they had to dump, um, they, they've had a lot of – I mean, the, the Portland uh, contracts don't look great. But I, I just uh, – to me, I, look, I think Golden State probably does win the series. But I, I do believe that the Portland backcourt can play them even. And if the Portland backcourt plays them even, this could go seven games. And then we might be having a conversation, and I think that's where it gets interesting – if you're 2-2, if you're 3-2, do you rush Durant back mm-hmm. when you're looking at the finals and you're looking at Giannis on the other side potentially or Kawhi on the other side? How do you handle that? And we saw, and we're going to switch to the other series now, but we saw what Kawhi did in one game to Golden State last year before he got hurt. And, or, and that looks a lot, or two years ago, I'm sorry, and that looks a lot different.
different, perhaps, that series if it doesn't play out that way. So I'm going to pick uh, Golden State in seven. I do think it's going to be a competitive series, but I, uh, it it I think, you know, we talk about Curry, talk about Thompson. I think it comes down to Lillard, ultimately. If Lillard is that dynamic force that he can be, he's shooting at least, say, 43% from the field, okay? He's not having some of those games that he can have where he's forcing everything, missing everything. I thought one of the positives about uh, the Game 7 against Denver was he kind of took a back seat and let CJ play. It was pretty clear CJ had it, and he didn't, and he was getting the kind of shots that Lillard couldn't get, and so he played it out. What do you see it as? Um, I, I think it's a five-game series. Okay. I think Golden State takes care of it fairly easily. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a believer in Portland as being this kind of good. I think this is the ceiling on on what they've done. Um, I think it's incredible that they've gotten this far. They certainly had a good enough regular season. They recovered incredibly well uh, from getting swept out of the playoffs last year by New Orleans. Um, you talk about you know drafting through the middle and playing through the middle. Um, Portland is the ultimate testament to that. I mean, h- how many times? Have people advocated them giving up and trading mm-hmm. guys and trying to start over and and they've just kept going at it, you know, trying to sign guys and some of them have failed and some of them haven't and now they're in the conference finals. So well done to them. But I think this is the you know, by far the ceiling on what they could have done. I, I would be stunned if this is a competitive series. And as we move now to the Eastern Conference series, I got to tell you, I'd be pretty stunned if that was too. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just think Milwaukee, the way that they took care of Boston after having that that initial game one scare. And the fact that Toronto just has nothing. Mm. The fact that outside of Kawhi Leonard, um, Pascal Siakam has been okay, uh, particularly in dealing with his injury. Kyle Lowry's given them nothing. Marc Gasol doesn't shoot enough. Um, Serge Ibaka uh, was certainly a positive impact um, in, in the Game 7 for Toronto. But again, he's their, he's their second-best player, right. I, I, in my opinion, at the moment, with the way that Siakam is hurt. Um, and I just don't know if that's good enough. I think Milwaukee is going to be able to keep their structure alive. They've had a lot of time to prepare. They've been watching, you know, Philly and Toronto. Um, and I, I just think Milwaukee's a good deal better than Toronto is right now. I think Kawhi Leonard is going to leave there because he, he, he would at least want to see signs that there's a structure around him that can support him in a playoff series. And when he has to take 39 shots in a Game 7, I mean, I'm sure he enjoyed it as much as he experiences any emotions, much less joy. Um, but I just think Milwaukee's a good deal better. I think both of these are five-game series. Uh, I think this is going to go a little further. And, I, you know, I, I'm not confident in a lot of the players in Toronto right now. And like you said, I think Kawhi's percentage of points in that series was second only to one LeBron series with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that. Um, I don't think Kawhi ever gets tired. Uh, so I, I, I don't. I know he's a robot. I mean, I, but he, he, he had, he did also rest a bunch of games because he doesn't trust this injury that he has. Right. Well, I don't know where he is with the injury. He didn't look hurt last night. I, I, I just no, no. I mean, like just the psychological right. of you know he's been treated with kid gloves all year. Right. And now we're going way in the opposite direction. Where he's basically got to play every minute for them to win the game. I, I just I, and take every shot what, what, and, and defend every major, you know, a major uh, uh, opposing player in this series. I mean, there are going to be times where in the big moments they're throwing him on Giannis. That's a uh, lot to ask of one player. Oh, well, it's, he's bionic though. I can't, can, you know, we don't talk enough about how the Spurs screw that up. I mean, how, how yeah. I mean, that's Pop, an organizational failure. I mean, for, Pop, for, Pop, I mean, he might be the best player in the league right now. Yeah. Like how, how did Pop allow that to happen? It's just crazy. Can can Lowry outplay Bledsoe? Can you trust Kyle Lowry? No, <laughs> at this point, no. Uh, he did nothing in that series. I mean, uh, he, like he has a fourteen point game. It's like, oh, Kyle Lowry breakthrough performance. It's like he's got nothing. Kyle, Kyle Lowry apologist. I, I am surprised with Milwaukee. I I look at them and I I just the sum. They are more than the sum of their parts. Uh, Bud has proven something here in this past series. You know, I do think that that uh, Nick Nurse has impressed me too. He's done some good things. He's mm-hmm. taken, you know, took Philadelphia out of their. He's schemes impressed me a lot. by how much he's aged in this series. Uh, he has. I mean, he, I mean, my God, did he, he looks spent by the end of that game. He yesterday. looks like Obama in the second year of his presidency. <laughs> but but I I think I think Milwaukee wins the series. But I also I think we're looking at two seven game series. I really do. I I think that uh, it's Kawhi to me as long as he's on the floor uh, is too good on both ends. And I look at Milwaukee, and I'm like, okay, so we talk a lot about with Kawhi, who's the second player going to be. And I know Milwaukee, other guys contributed um, and what they've gotten all year. And and obviously, you can keep Brook Lopez on the floor in this series. If they're going to play Gasol, even if they're going to play Ibaka, you can still play Brook Lopez. But I think we will see, you know, more from Siakam than maybe we saw the last part of this series. I think Milwaukee wins the series, to me, because they're at home at the end. I, I think that will matter. That I don't know if you've seen the local ratings, but Milwaukee—they're getting better ratings for Bucks playoff games than for Packer playoff games. Wow, um, that's they're city, in. They're in. That's that city is totally bought in, and they believe that Giannis is in there for the long haul. 
the coaching change that they made, which is why the whole Jason Kidd thing in L.A. is so ridiculous. I mean, the, the coaching change that they made uh, basically, I think, saved Giannis in, in Milwaukee. Ultimately, not that he didn't like Jason Kidd. He did. He called him immediately and got fired. But Jason Kidd would not have been able to elevate them, but has elevated them. Um, he elevated Giannis. I mean, yeah. I, and, and, and he elevated Giannis, which, but, which I think I mean Jason Kidd could be a good assistant coach, but he's also this Machiavellian, right, you know, mastermind he's, he's that's going to get Frank Vogel fired in six months. I, I don't think it's even going to take that long, <laughs> right? I, I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, he might, is he fired yet? I, I don't know. <laughs> has he been introduced yeah, yet? I mean, I mean <laughs> I, you know, Lonzo Ball could end up getting a good deal better playing under, under Jason Kidd, but well, the, he clearly he, does not build an offense nor a defense. I mean, the defense is a big part of this too because that's the closest comp actually that Lonzo Ball has. I mean mm-hmm. that. That would be his ultimate upside. Would be Jason. Kidd's I just, I just career. think that I mean, going back to the to the comparison to Toronto and Milwaukee, and just I mean, frankly, how much they scored in that series against Boston. That's the thing that's remarkable. Obviously, you beat them and and you hammer them, but I mean, Boston all year, the thing that they could hang their hat on was we're really good on defense. Right. And even when we haven't been able to figure out this whole system thing and all these other uh, issues, you know, they're 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 they were good on defense. Last four games in that series, Milwaukee scored one twenty three, one twenty three, one thirteen, and one sixteen. They have it on offense. They have it. And so I, I just I, I trust that they're going to continue to do this, even against a Toronto team that has great defenders, that has you know uh, players that they can throw at Giannis, whether it's Ibaka or Siakam or Kawhi. Um, they, they have the things to be good on defense in that series. I just think that of the team right now, like Golden State is obviously there because they have the best system in the league. But Milwaukee is right there with them too, just in terms of being able to not necessarily need individual performances, right? Giannis is going to have the ball at the end of games, and that's not going to be a problem in terms of you know the hierarchy of things. But in quarters one through three and a half, do they have the offensive structure, the offensive talent to make shots and create offense in difficult high-stakes playoff games? I think that Boston series proved a lot for them. And, and I think that heading into the series, I trust them. Uh, I trust players like and Pat Connaughton coming off the bench, uh, you know, Ilyasova and George Hill and Bledsoe. I mean, there were times in that series, particularly in game one, where you didn't feel like you trusted them. But you just I, – I do now. I, I, I trust that that team and that structure has enough confidence in the individual portions of it to get that job done. So I, I think Milwaukee is going to handle that series relatively easily. I don't, not what the NBA wants because they want to build this whole Kawhi versus sure. Giannis thing. And I, you know, Gian- just in general, I mean, maybe people weren't in on Denver or Portland, but when it gets to Game 6 and Game 7, people right. watch. Yeah, that was game 6s and Game 7s are good. That, that Denver-Portland was a basketball junkie's dream. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a TV executive's dream. Right. A basketball junkie's dream. And, you know, I think we're setting up for Milwaukee-Golden State, which is where we've been sort of been headed all year. And I think that's a narrative that they can sell, provided that Durant is healthy. Now, you know, that's when you get into it and you'll say, in Milwaukee-Golden State, you know, how many of the top five players will Milwaukee have? Mm-hmm. One? Uh, if Durant <laughs> is healthy, then it's one. D- 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 depends at the level yeah. that Middleton's playing at. It will be somewhat similar uh, to, I think, although I think this is a better all-around team, to LeBron versus San Antonio the first time. I think I, I think it, I mean the, the to me the two obvious comps are the two teams in recent NBA history where you went in and you're saying this team has the more talent and they lost. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's the Lakers against Detroit. I think right. I think Milwaukee is a very Detroit like feel about them although obviously not in the same way, but that you trust the guys that are right. of a high level but maybe not, you know, championship leading man level and the 2011 Mavericks that beat the Miami Heat. I to me this Milwaukee team feels a lot like that in the sense of Okay, maybe it doesn't make sense that Chris Middleton could be a second-best player and beat a team that has obviously more talent. But Golden State has all of the the flaws of mm-hmm. a team uh, that 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 has you know eventually fallen apart late in championship runs. Um, and Milwaukee has this team structure um, that just works for them. It just does. And no one would have said in 2011. I mean, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong um, because I wasn't really you know full fledged. I was a fan at that point. Um, but he fans didn't fear that. The media probably thought it was going to be a walk for Miami. Well, who and then was, Dallas who, wins the series in six? Who was the sec- oh, so? Let's look at some. Of those teams that the Cleveland LeBron's second best player his first time in Cleveland was probably Mo Williams yeah is Chris Middleton better than Mo Williams yeah okay the second best player on Dallas behind Dirk hell even knows Jason Terry I mean that's impossible I mean Josh Howard in 2006 but yeah but in in 2011 Jason Terry old Jason Kidd Sean old Sean Mm -hmm. Marion yeah I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna have to pull up their JJ their, JJ Barea. Right. Well, in, in the Heat series, it might have been him, but uh, in in terms of point in terms of uh, points per game, it was Terry. It was Terry. Yeah, he averaged yeah. 17 and a half a game in the postseason. Right. Then it was Marion at 12, Kidd at nine, Barea at nine, Tyson Chandler at eight. I mean, I'd probably put Tyson Chandler up there. He was still kind of peak Jason Ty- uh, Tyson Chandler, particularly from a defensive standpoint. But I mean, again, that's not. I mean, pages in terms of minutes. 
uh, in that postseason. Peter Stojakovic was seventh. Deshaun Stevenson was eighth. I mean, th- that's not a championship-winning team. No. And yet they had the right combination, and they were fair winners over Miami. But is series. LeBron, and we'll close with this, yeah. I mean, is Giannis yeah. going to pull a LeBron? No, it's more like, is Curry, Durant, Clay going to pull a LeBron? Oh, I'm sorry. In that series, right? right. So, Correct. Right. So it would have to take that kind of performance, but we've seen it already in these playoffs. Right. I mean, you know, losing twice at home to the Clippers when they have giant leads in those games, too. Mm-hmm. The vulnerabilities are there. And I think Milwaukee is a team and a structure good enough to beat them. So uh, I, I think that I think that Milwaukee is it's a really compelling series. Um, obviously, you know, before any of this stuff begins, uh, we'll have the NBA lottery, which we'll have a watch party for mm. um, at uh, Tap Forty Two. And um, and I, I I'm really looking forward to more of the finals in these conference finals. I would hope that these these series go long, but I don't think that they will. Um, but I think Milwaukee is up for it. I think they're up for the rest of this postseason just by virtue of what they've built. Like I think other teams have have wilted as you know players have just kind of been lopped off. Can't play him. Can't play him. Can't play him. And Milwaukee has figured it out again and again in in, in their first two rounds in this regular season. They figured it out. I think they're going to go all the way and, and really challenge Golden State in these finals. I want to live in a world where the NBA has to figure out how to promote the Milwaukee Bucks as the <laughs> NBA champions. Oh, it's uh, going to be amazing. Uh, at, I can't at, wait. At, at, a, at a Greek star, but we'll see how that goes. As we mentioned, watch party uh, Tuesday night, Tap 42. This is the one in Midtown, Miami. Uh, we'll be out there around 7 o'clock. The actual lottery is around 8.30. We've got a private room. Uh, we've got some free appetizers. We should have a lot of fun. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.